0: Rebel Force Radio was part of the Evergreen Podcast Network. A
1: small rebel force has penetrated the shield and landed on Endor. This is where the
0: fun begins Paul Bateman. Hey, Jim, Mike. Remember that movie, The Jerk, with Steve Martin? Just about, yeah. Yeah, do you remember this scene? The new phone box here! The new phone box here! <laughs> right, okay. Right? Well, <laughs> I was reacting that way in a very similar fashion this past weekend when I went to my mailbox and I found the novelization for The Rise of Skywalker. The new Star Wars book's here! The new Star Wars book's here!
1: Nice. Yes. Nice. Two weeks. N- be- you know all the right people in all the right places, don't you? I can well, tell. yeah, that's what it's all about, man.
0: Well, you know, as Jason says, as always, being influential members of the uh, Star Wars <laughs> media, Yeah. Uh, then, uh, you know, sometimes it has its perks. And, of course, our motto here is leave no fan behind. So we are leaving no fan behind. We're leaving no Bateman behind. I've read. The, listen, I've read the entire book. It's, wow, it oh, was great. the quickest read I've ever had with a Star Wars novel. I read it <laughs> in under twenty-four hours. Right, And uh, it was was a fun read, it was a fast read, and it was a very informative and enlightening read when you think about certain plot elements of The Rise Mm -hmm. of Skywalker. And I know a lot of people have. There's been a lot of head scratching going on over certain things Mm -hmm. that happened in the film. And this book shines a light on a lot of that stuff and reveals some very compelling information. Uh, so, yeah, and uh, so I've, I read the whole thing. I, I finished reading the last page literally five minutes ago. So this, wow. this is fresh on my mind. I ran to my studio. I don't think I've ever been more excited to talk about a Star Wars book or get you on the line, Paul Bateman. So, of course— <laughs> Hey, Star Wars fans, Jimmy Mack here with you, and welcome back to Rebel Force Radio for this week. A rare midweek edition of Rebel Force Radio, because as I said, I was so excited. I had to talk to Paul about this expanded edition novelization of The Rise of Skywalker by Ray Carlson, and uh, or oh. Carson, I'm sorry, her name's not Carlson, it's Carson, and... Uh, I've never read anything by Ray before, but she did one hell of a great job, creating a very fast-paced and exciting read, and uh, I'm I'm very impressed with this book. It's the most exciting Star Wars
1: book I've read in a long time. Uh, Probably I've already got one one question, mate. I've already got one question. Yes, is it as good as the glove of Darth Vader? Well, Paul,
0: I mean, you can't hold (laughs) up current era Star Wars. To legendary iconic <laughs> works from yeah. uh, the franchise, such as The Glove of Darth Vader. And of course, uh, no, you don't have any uh, 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 Ken, Jedi Ken, the Jedi. What was it? The Jedi Prince? Ken, the yeah. Jedi Prince. Remember him? Or Trioculus? <laughs> yeah. Trioculus? Or Mount
1: Yoda. Don't forget Mount No, Yoda. Mount
0: Yoda, unfortunately. <laughs> but really compelling information. We're going to, uh you know, you learn about uh, the origin of um uh, uh, how Palpatine cheated death. It's all cool. explained in here. You learn how Palpatine had a son. You learn how... Valentine's wow. son went on to have Ray, and what Ray really means. So it's all great stuff, man. And I have yeah. uh, more Post-it notes stuck to this hard, co- <laughs> hard copy, uh-huh. hard hard uh, hard cover novel than I've ever uh-huh. had in my life. So I'm so excited to uh, get into it, and I'm going to walk you guys. It's going to be a very spoiler heavy review, and I'm going to uh-huh. walk you guys through all of the additional. Scenes. Well, not all of them, but for the most part. And we'll gloss over some things. So, but uh, some of the bigger things we're really going to get into in great. Detail. So I can't wait. I mean, I ran to my studio. I'm so pumped up. And Paul, I'm so happy you're here (laughs) and available to talk to me right now. Of course, Jason Swank will be back with us on Rebel Force Radio as RFR Live returns to Cleveland this weekend for Wizard World Cleveland. We'll be doing a live show from the convention center itself. We have our own room. And uh, wow. Yeah, it's nice. That's that's two o'clock on. Saturday, two o'clock hmm. on Saturday, and I think it's kind of a big room too. So you guys, please show up for it. I mean, if we could fill half of it, that would be amazing. If we could fill a third get, of it, I'll get on my bike
1: now. I might get there yeah. by next week. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Quite possible.
0: Yeah, ride your bike. There's there's plenty yep. of of available bike parking in downtown Cleveland. <laughs> um, I think. Well, you know, I think the convention center's in downtown. It probably isn't though. It's probably closer to the airport. Um, But, like, I've never been there before. You know, I've been to Cleveland a bunch of times, but I've never been to the convention center. And uh, so I'm really excited to hit this Wizard World. And then following our live show, we'll also be – you you can catch us at the Emily Swallow panel. And Emily, of course, plays the armorer on The Mandalorian. So looking forward to – learning about her and hearing what she has to say in that cool panel as well. And uh, we'll uh, make ourselves available to hang with Star Wars fans from Cleveland and anywhere else in the country. Just shake us down. That's this Saturday at Wizard World Cleveland RFR live at 2 p.m. And that's going to be great. So Swank will be a part of that, but he couldn't be a part of this special and, as I say, rare midday edition of Rebel Force Radio. Um... This Friday, also, I should mention, we have a special release. We will be releasing our commentary track for the Rise of Skywalker, the entire film. Uh, oh, nice! Yes, it's still in uh, you know limited release right now in a few theaters <laughs> uh, before yeah. the home video release drops in the middle of the month on St.
1: Patty's Day. Um, Did people complain about taking the mics in the cinema? Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, right. So gang. Shut
1: your mouth, fools. Yeah. Um, But, uh,
0: yeah, so if it's still playing in a theater near you, you could take us with you in your earbuds uh, and uh, watch us uh, uh, or listen to us as you watch the film or just hold out until that digital release, which drops on the 17th. And uh, so there's going to be no commentary track on that home video release. So, no? yeah, no, no, nothing from JJ. Right. Now, keep in mind, this is uh, similar mm. to the release of The Force Awakens when there was no commentary track on that either initially. Yeah. And it wasn't yeah. until the 3D release mm. when they, they uh, finally released the uh, the commentary track. Mm. So, um, so yeah, so Jason will be back with us uh, for – and Billy Mac, too. He's sitting in on this one. And, and it's really interesting, too, because you get m- different sides – of the um, experience of watching this film because Jason and I are pretty much on the positive side as far as Mm -hmm. the rise of Skywalker goes. But Billy Mac harbors uh, some real strong critical analysis of that film. And Um, uh, it, it, it has really dampened his overall, Joy of the film, (laughs) which I I don't think he, you know, he likes a little bit of it. And we get into some of the things he likes, but for the most part, he's looking through it through a very critical eye. And, um, I couldn't, I thought I would be watching episode nine with that same critical edge. But Mm. upon seeing the movie opening night, I was just overcome with a lot of emotion and a lot of just pure, um, Mm. You know, pure like pure physical manifestations of my passion and and bliss when it comes to mm. Star Wars too, and I was not mm. expecting that. Not from a mi- not a million miles. I-, I thought I I would be able to do that. So, um, I-, I I carry that with me when it comes to this film. And plus, I love I- the tone, and there is a certain joyful factor to the entire film as it is. You were gonna say, it, Paul.
1: Uh, Well, for sure. I kind of feel the same way, Jimmy, but I I kind of feel like it's one of those things where it's like, it's almost like a, like a best of album, you know, it's not, it's none of the albums that the tracks came off, which are classics. Mm -hmm. You know, you might, you might, you know, if you're looking at the Beatles or Led Zeppelin or whatever, it's it's not, it's not the first kind of couple of albums, but, and it's kind of just a nod to those albums. Mm -hmm. So it's still great because you feel those, those notes that you want, you know, but it's, yeah, something's missing. But I stand kind of between the two of you. Thing I think. I, I, feel, I feel like it was a great fun ride as long as it engaged my brain. Yeah. And then as soon as I engage my brain, I go, whoa, you know, so it's like, okay, it's one of those I've got to switch off and just enjoy the ride.
0: Well, I just find the whole sequel sequel trilogy uh, to be just one big hot mess. And, uh, you know, you can tell, (laughs) well, you can tell everything was super rushed Mm. and, uh, you know, they were up against adversity at times. They were up against indecision Mm. at times. And there was a lack of direction about Uh. where this
1: trilogy was headed. Um, I, I also think, like, I mean, one of the things that I think people don't mention a lot is the fact that, you know, this is this is an, although we have Lucasfilm in front of the titles and obviously there's a lot of familiar faces and what have you, you know, when it boils down to it, the people making the movie, the director, the writers, they're all new people mm-hmm. and they've never made a Star Wars movie before. So you kind of look at it and you kind of think, well, on the one hand, we can be critical of it and kind of go, you know, there's something wrong with this so it's different to the other movies. But on the other hand, you can kind of go, yeah, but it's quite a tall order for a, a total newbie to walk into stores and, and make something that feels like authentically the real thing after after they they didn't make the others, you know. And, I mean, the one thing that the, the first six have got in common is, of course, George kind of holds it together even when he's not directing. So it all feels kind of coherent. I think it's a massive tall order for anybody to kind of direct one of these. So however critical I get, I have to kind of like remind myself, yeah, but, you know, take your favorite director and see if they can do it, you know. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah. It's tricky.
0: Yeah. And, but yeah, mm. uh, still, once again, they're putting the cart ahead of the horse and there's already yeah. been an announcement from Street Disney Wall. about <laughs> the next star Wars film dropping December 2022. And they're holding yeah. steadfast to that and stubbornly too, I might add. So yeah. in that case though, you know, it's easy for me to uh, be the uh, armchair quarterback sitting on the sidelines watching, uh, Same, watching them play. But you know, I mean, they, mm-hmm. I, I think they would be sticking to that release schedule, uh, mm-hmm. with something in the works. So while we hear stories about yeah. the film franchise being, uh, on hiatus or they're taking a break or something, I think something must be pretty well into development at this point for them yeah, to be sticking to that December, 2022 date. If mm. there if there isn't, then we're going to be in a really rough ride, and so is the entire future of Star Wars. Because I think you really need to have a an idea, mm. a direction, a script, an outline for mm-hmm. a script at least, and maybe a director and producer. Well, there is there are nothing but producers in place, and <laughs> uh, and, and 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 yeah. they're all just like you know the one hand, the right hand doesn't know what the left hand is doing. But I don't want to get into all of that behind the scenes stuff mm. on this show. I, I want to have fun okay. with this one and, and just talk about real Star Wars. And that's what, like we, that's what we do, I think, for the most part in our audio mm. commentary track for episode nine that's going to be dropping this week. And like I said, mm. you don't get some homogenized, um, like... Hey, we're Star Wars cheerleaders, but I mean, there's plenty there's plenty of passion <laughs> yeah. and and joy coming through in our commentary track mm. and some really interesting analysis of certain scenes, but mm. we also, you know, we also can uh spot some of the flaws that are more obvious and then Billy Mac, of course, provides us with his oftentimes uh counterpoint as far as uh what We're taking in on the screen. So it's, I think, a very well-rounded and very, uh, as far as opinions go, very diverse in as far as representing what the Star Wars fan community has been and how they've been reacting to this film. So... Mm. You know, I used to call uh, The Last Jedi the most divisive film in Star Wars history, but, uh, <laughs> you know, I think The Rise of Skywalker also can stake claim on that. So, therefore, I am mm. determining now, I have uh, I have um, upgraded my analysis to say <laughs> Star Wars sequel trilogy is the most divisive trilogy in the history of Star Wars. So, suck on that.
1: Yeah. Okay. I kind of feel like like the way I'm looking at it right now is like I almost see it like the, like the last show for me was like somebody knocked a tin of paint over and and uh, episode nine was like kind of there were still footprints from the paint, you know? <laughs> it's kind of like, yeah, it's a good it's a good movie, but like, oh, there's paint all over it. Yeah, right. You know?
0: <laughs> well, it just feels very rushed.
1: Yeah, and, I mean, we came out of the cinema and we, we were happy and we'd had a good time. So, you yeah, know, and then yeah, uh, right. obviously once the nerd in me kind of kicked in, it was like, yes, wait a minute. Of what course. That? You know.
0: Well, it is, you know, these films aren't always. Let me take that back. These films mm. are never about mm. watching them once. No. They are never about mm. holding steadfast to a particular opinion about yeah. them. <laughs> yeah. Because your opinions will always evolve the more you study. And the more you uh-huh. consume this content, and that's yeah. what we do as hardcore Star Wars fans. That's what we do as mm-hmm. podcasters on this show, and that's mm-hmm. what you guys, everyone listening to this show, does because you've searched out this podcast. So you are also tearing this entire film down to its very cellular level, <laughs> and mm-hmm. uh, and and all Star Wars fan uh, films are um, deserving, at least, of that that
1: deep dive analysis so before was, we I, yes go ahead, Paul I was happy when I like when the um, Rogue One came out I was kind of I was in a more kind of a slightly kind of cynical mood when I went in where I was thinking ah, I don't know about this seems like a strange idea you know and and um, it was just fantastic to come out of the cinema like feeling elated right because I I did not expect to love it as much as I did and especially by the end and all the, the fact that it, it felt like for the very first time CG models looked as good as the miniatures and all the Star Destroyer stuff at the end and all the, you know, all the little nods to the original trilogy was just, it was just fantastic. And then that, that sticks with me as a movie. I look at it and kind of go, I don't care how critical people get about the new trilogy. And I've been there myself plenty of times. You know, that for me is within a handful of movies, Disney managed to pull a movie off that was that good, fills me with optimism. So no matter what good reasons there are to sort of be a bit cynical or negative about the whole thing. I still look on rogue one as a great example of like how right they can get it. So even though we know it was a bit messy and it was a bit of a trick to kind of get the film finished and stuff like that. I mean, most films are a bit of a trick to get it finished to be fit, but um, you know, I, I I just thought it was amazing. So, so I, I used to look at rogue one and think, yeah, Disney have got really great like movies in them that people don't really have a problem with. Um, and I, I just kind of—I'm trying to look as this trilogy is just uh, you know the, the biggest challenge that they had, and you know that I don't think every Disney's movie is going to be like this. But I'm excited to see where they go with with the new films. Now it'd be interesting, being as I don't think we know where they're coming from. I mean, the only my only concern is when you hear things like Indiana Jones, you know, Indiana Jones Five was reputed to be kind of starting filming in only a few months, and then bang, you know, Steven Spielberg is gone, you know, and anything oh. So that that was scheduled, and is that still going to start happening with a new director, or you know, <laughs> and you think like, I wonder if the same is is true of these movies. I mean, yeah. it, they may find the director and then lose him in the last minute at this rate, you know. So right, yeah, right. It's it's,
0: it's par for the I know course you're now. All
1: that, but it, it just makes me wonder. It's incredible
0: yeah. how these uh, dominoes keep falling in the same direction. But again, as yeah. I said, I'd rather not yeah. uh, get bogged down with the behind the scenes mess. Yeah. Um, yeah, and and, and really good. get into uh, the Star Wars we have right in front of us. So here we are. We're going to get right into it right now.
1: Uh, yeah.
0: All right. This is the book. It doesn't hit newsstands and uh, bookstore shelves until the seventeenth of March, but we have it here for you early. This is going to be a very spoiler heavy review. So spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert spoiler alert and <laughs> and uh so it starts off uh right away you notice a difference in chapter 1 it begins with uh the very first thing you read about is ray meditating in the force very similar to what it was like in the movie but there's a, there's a little more little additional stuff thrown in here um because she has more uh back and forth with leia and uh right at the beginning you get a flashback of uh luke training leia a different flashback than what we see in the film uh luke uh does antagonize leia a little bit he does he sort of picks at her kind of like yoda picked at him and uh he tries to push her buttons uh you know it's it's all part of the training and uh and uh making yourself uh Impervious to uh, aggression and anger. And that's all, you know, the most important thing a Jedi could could learn. Um, uh, Luke uh, did train Leia on uh, the same jungle planet where we find the Resistance headquarters is located at the beginning of Episode Nine, planet called Ajan Koss or Ajan Koss. I don't know how to say it, but Luke would Mm -hmm. refer to it as Nice Dagobah. And uh, that's where he would train Leia. That's where he uh, would actually train Leia, was at that very same place. So, uh, you know, a lot of discussion about how Luke trained her and stuff. And and it's revealed that Leia does have the ability to, to talk to um, Jedi who have passed. She, you know, much like Yoda could, much like Obi-Wan could, much like Luke could. Leia also has that ability, and so that's what she's really trying to train Ray in um, things to do uh, as a Jedi. And uh, we know that Leia can communicate with Luke because he does pop into her head a few times. And uh, he does so in an effort to foreshadow uh, the act of Leia giving herself up to the Force, uh, sacrificing herself in an effort to uh, connect with her son for one last time. So we get a, we get prepared for that eventual moment that happens later in the film, that moment that eventually leads to Leia's death. We get some foreshadowing of that in the actual novel. I would have loved to see Luke or have Leia hear Luke's voice in her head and just kind of react. You know, mm. I think it could have been mm. done with footage that they have of Carrie Fisher. Heck, I could probably do it myself with uh, Movie Maker uh, 2012 on the old <laughs> computer. Yeah. So as, uh, you know, the movie begins, you have Kylo and he's on Mustafar and he's in search of the Wayfinder. Um, so those two scenes are flip-flopped. Um, mm-hmm. That comes second, um, as opposed to the movie where it opens with Kylo in search of the Wayfinder um, and then cuts to Ray meditating. In this instance, uh, you have Ray meditating first in the story, then Kylo. It wouldn't have made sense for them to open the film with Ray meditating because Star Wars films always begin with a ship in space, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you have to have that scene with Kylo. But um, mm-hmm. while Kylo is searching for the uh, Wayfinder, he comes across um, a guardian. Of the Wavefinder, this weird giant that lives underwater, big hairless creature uh, that uh, has very pasty skin and a giant spider like creature latched onto uh, half of its massive
1: bald head. Yeah, it's a strange concept. I remember the old. old.
0: Right, some uh, concept art mm. for this leaked out. So I believe yeah. that this is a concept that was originally produced in the Colin Trevorrow, Chris Terrio uh, script. Um, so And the two are locked in symbiosis And uh, The thing doesn't really pose Any kind of uh, Threat to Kylo He doesn't stop Kylo He pretty much helps out Kylo And tells him where to go And Kylo Ooh. grabs the Wayfinder And off he goes um, And he goes uh, directly to Exegol To uh, confront uh, See what's there and he finds Palpatine and here's the big deal. Uh, a lot of people have seen, uh, you know, um, a few Raylos got their hands on this uh, this uh, preview copy and they've been putting excerpts online. And uh, the mm. big, the, one of the big things um, beside, you know, the kiss at the end of the film, which they're absolutely obsessing over, um, they uh, released uh, this confirmation that Palpatine is indeed a clone and uh that um is revealed in the book <laughs> dark empire dark empire for sure <laughs>
1: for sure but we I'm on uh, right that though I don't mind that
0: yes and um, he's being kept alive by uh the life support technology that the sith eternal have hooked up to him and uh and and it is revealed that the evilness that um palpatine's spirit contains uh does make the clones uh, become useless after time it it eats away at them from the inside out like a cancer and mm. uh so that's why uh they look uh, the way they do and again a concept originally presented to us in the dark empire dark horse comics from the uh 90s. Jimmy
1: does, does it does it communicate like you know, when when how many years were there between them kind of you know, the start of the movie and Palpatine actually kind of coming into existence as a clone? Did they did they say do oh some yeah. idea of the timeline? We'll we'll get to that. because secrets
0: okay. secrets regarding Palpatine get okay. fully revealed by the end of the book.
1: That's good. I thought they might mention it up front, yeah. You know?
0: Um the last mm. twenty pages of the, this book was one of the most thrilling reading experiences I've ever wow. had Wow, <laughs> fabulous! as far as star Wars novels. I look
1: forward to the audio book
0: just because it reveals so much, but I'm going to make you Brilliant. and our listeners cool. wait until I reveal that information. We're doing a slow burn here, man. We're going through the book okay. in order. So I don't want to jump the gun. Um, nice. something that, uh, I mentioned in our audio commentary track is when, uh, Poe is making those hyperspace jumps at the beginning of the mm. film, and they go through these, mm-hmm. uh, you know, different planets and different areas of space. And you only get to see him briefly. The second time he jumps, he ends up in this industrialized planet with tall spires, and they're flying through mm. it. But I noticed, like, there were two the Falcons, I mean, yes. right? Did you did you catch that when you watched the film? No, no that no. there were two, two falcons. falcons, like yeah. They're stacked. Yeah. yeah, yeah, like stacked, mm. but reversed reverse images of each other. Oh, and so I couldn't figure out why they did that. And there was no explanation for it in the film. Mm. And it happened mm-hmm. so quickly that like you, Paul, most viewers didn't catch it, but I sure mm. did. And um, apparently this, uh, this environment uh, where they hyperspace jumped to randomly is a mm. uh, place, uh, a bright space filled with shining white towers. The yeah. mirror, the mirror spires of vexia and their reflective mm-hmm. surfaces make it hard for Finn to tell which ties were real and which ones were um, mm. a mere reflection so uh those are the based on a ralph responses. concept
1: that's a ralph Sorry. that's a ralph yeah it's a ralph concept yeah one of his early earlier sort of yeah escapes it turns up in um illustrated universe you can see it in that oh
0: that book uh not too yeah, far away will check that out mm-hmm. a little later um a lot something that uh billy mac uh was talking about a lot in our audio commentary track was uh the fact that you really don't get any indication that ray is slipping to the
1: dark side she doesn't exhibit any real dark side uh tendencies yeah i'm all right with that though. i was always okay with that i mean why repeat yourself you know Right, right. I mean, right, it's right, I'm all right yes. with her being just kind of a bit grey and not really uh, going there because she's just got you know nice spirit yeah, or yeah.
0: and what. And I'll you know I'll argue that uh, Luke Skywalker didn't really exhibit any dark side tendencies. It was
1: yeah. They, no. they, well, I Link, mean, when you miss it,
0: when you think dark side, you instantly think of an evil act, a selfish mm. act, or a sinful yeah. act, right? Mm. But in reality, the path to the dark side is fueled by aggression and fear. And mm. so that's the beginning of it all. And Luke
1: displayed aggression and fear. And we've seen Ray exhibit aggression. Mm. And fear, you know, wouldn't you say, wouldn't you say, you know, cause I know people have said like, well, what about Luke, you know, going for a fight with Vader and empire. And I, I think that was really out of having, having a, a kind of like an obliging nature almost. I almost feel like it, he felt it was expected of him you know, to go go and confront Vader that way. You know, so I don't think it's so much as, you know, I don't feel like you're rolled up in an angry mood, like I'm going to get you for kill my dad. You know, like at the start of the, the duel on Empire, you just kind of feel like he's, he, he kind of feels that Vader needs to be put out of action. It doesn't feel like it's so. a... An emotional act, you know, but it's aggressive. So. It can be looked yeah. at as aggressive, and it could be for Luke. It's aggressive, and it could be
0: looked at as an act motivated mm. by fear because Luke is afraid his yeah. friends are going to get injured yeah. or killed. Yeah, and and, and, and in reality, mind. what happened uh, by Luke being impulsive that way, uh, you know, his friends did get hurt, and you know, Han mm. got. Frozen in carbonite. Yeah. So I mean, you know, mm. there there were repercussions to his being uh, impulsive like that. Mm. So and and, and yeah. that's what um, Ray has primarily uh, illi- you know demonstrated. And I, I think Luke in the Last Jedi pointed that out. But here you have Kylo. Actually, mm. uh, noticing that in the beginning of the movie when he uh, the force dyad becomes initiated and they're uh, talking to each other uh, while she's mm. training and everything, and uh, he says that he does definitely sense the dark side in her, so mm. he's picking up on it, you know. And he, yeah, he's he's real keen on that because you know, Ray also has the light side in her, too, so she's very similar to Kylo in that way you know they mm. really they they emphasize how much these two really share as far as their overall existence goes uh mm. in this book that becomes uh really crystal clear and something of course we as viewers uh we're jumping to the conclusions about, I like having a little more information about the force dyad. I like having a little bit more information Mm. about how it affects them and what goes on in their heads. But uh, Kylo Mm. says he does, you know, despite the fact that Palpatine has given him the orders, Kylo's uh, not lying when he says he answers to no one because he has no intention of killing Ray. He says he wants to find her and turn her to the dark side. And, um, because he senses that potential in her. And I I think he believes that if she goes to the dark side, that'll also help solidify his position within the dark side, which is something he's been chasing since the force awakens. You know, he wants to be all bad, but he just can't Mm. do it. He's having, he just can't do it. Mm. Um, so uh, any thoughts about that, Paul, at all? I mean, feel free to jump in. I just don't want to motor through this whole thing. Uh, <laughs> Darkness in oh, Ray. No, no. do you think it was uh, done too uh, too abruptly to introduce that element of her character? Or do you think mm-hmm. that was something she's been struggling with the entire trilogy?
1: I think like in in, uh, in The Force Awakens, my only issue with Rey was that I felt like, her, you know, that she went from naught to 10 pretty fast. But, but you know, the whole thing about Rise of Skywalker for me was the idea that, that you know, the pal- just the Palpatine connection as annoying as some people uh, find it. You know, for me, it, it created a whole, you know, it, it fixed a whole plethora of issues that I had because it was just like, okay, like, you know, she's she's Palpatine's kid. She's just got to be out, have mid-chlorians off the chart and, uh, you know, she's had a tough life and all that. So she's... You know, she's she's going to be um, have a lot of skills just inheriting in a in in a blood, you know. And for for me, I kind of felt like, well, maybe just that, you know, that biological Palpatine connection. You know, you could you could almost kind of say maybe that. I mean, we don't really know that much about midichlorians and how they work, you know. And you kind of feel like, well, if she had kind of you know Palpatine's genes in her. How do we know, how how does that not affect you? You know, is it is it something as arbitrary as kind of you know? There is no good and bad in mid or or are they different, you know, depending on whether it's light side or dark side? So all that kind of stuff I feel has, has been unanswered. But, I mean, what we see on the screen, I just kind of feel like rays always seem kind of impulsive and a bit impatient. But I don't I don't think we've ever seen her really be bad you know, I kind right, of feel right. like she's just vulnerable, and right. she's a bit aggressive because she's been in aggressive situations. You know. Yeah.
0: So do you see all the parallels between her story mm. and Luke's story because Luke doesn't really exhibit yeah. any sort of evilness, or you know. And then he has no, that vision no. in the cave on Dagobah, and he mm. sees his face behind Vader's mask that's telling yeah. him that he has the potential to become Vader himself, and it really gives him food for thought. Then yeah. he gets the big. Bombshell! He is Mm. Vader's son, so that Mm. increases the potential of the dark side in him a thousandfold because of inheritance. You know, and um, sometimes you cannot escape your destiny. And Luke, like Ray, had that natural and inherited potential to Mm. fall to the dark side. So Mm -hmm. the you know the apple doesn't fall far from the tree is what they say. And they say that in the Star Wars universe, too, except they call it <laughs> they call it Jorgen fruit
1: or something kind of crazy. You know, at the, same, at the same time, you know, in episode eight, you know, is as uh, unfan as I am about it, you know, that, the, the, there's something in there that, that kind of, you know, resonates with this this part of the story where Luke is explaining about the force kind of not really belonging to a side and being kind of neutral, you know, in itself. It's just its own thing. Luke
0: was wrong here. You know why Luke was, (laughs) no, he (laughs) admits himself. He admits himself. He is wrong. And his logic Mm -hmm. was flawed and misdirected Mm -hmm. because Luke had cut himself off from the force. And so he lost all of his mojo and was stuck on that island by himself with a bunch of turtle nuns and all these crazy thoughts running (laughs) through his mind. So listen, yeah. Luke got his crap together when he opened himself back up to the it, Force and threw away all of this, you know, balance being equal parts mm-hmm. light, equal parts dark. That stuff right. is a joke. And I don't know if Ryan Johnson was seriously attempting to go for that. I think he was really trying mm-hmm. to reshape the whole nature of the balance of the Force. And that's where that's mm-hmm. a big reason why the last Jedi fails miserably is mm-hmm. because it's a complete and utter miss Interpretation of what George Lucas intended the balance of the force to be about, all you know, in the first place. There's no equal parts light, equal parts dark, bringing balance to the force. You nuts. So, Dark side like the corrupts, corrupts ago, and clouds
1: you, everything. You educate me in that department, which you mean right years ago? Cause I was thinking that that's what they meant many, many years ago. Sure. We were talking about, do they mean literally like half no, and half, but, no. but they, clearly balance happens when the good is in charge. Yes. You know?
0: And that's why it's so. part of Jedi dogma. It's, it's something mm. only the Jedi care about. It's yeah. their prophecy about the, the balance of the force and the chosen one anyway. So, the mm. and and the and the jedi consider the dark side to be abnormal and unnatural mm. so mm. Na- you know of course that wouldn't you know dark side never comes into play with the way a jedi approaches the force and that's the only mm. way it gets done there is no dark jedi none of that there's mm. no gray jedi none of that stuff that's a bunch of bs so get your heads out of the gutters folks um <laughs> Oh, but I mean, you know, no fault of anyone. You say balance of the force, people naturally think, well, there's two sides of the force, light side and dark side. So obviously, if it's a 50-50 yeah. uh, situation here, then the scales are going to be balanced. That's not what it means. Balance of the force means the, the force is balanced and correct when and, and calibrated when there is no dark side influence on it. Now, that doesn't mean there's no evil in the galaxy, it's just there's no evil corrupting mm. the nature of the force
1: so yeah Do mean, does it does it get in at some point does it get into like kylo's cracked helmet does it talk about that oh a little bit but not too much they go into I, more detail you know, as, of- as a as a person who used to paint like motorcycles and bike helmets and stuff like that for a living you know i know for a fact that like you don't you don't fix a cracked helmet you throw it in the trash and you get a new one because it's it, it no longer can perform its function but to me it was almost like you know the uh, they call it Kintsugi don't they, in Japan where it's like pottery where it draws attention to having been broken. Yeah, and that's where they you know, got the uh, kind of... inspiration for Kylo's mask. Yeah, from so that. maybe, maybe it's just one of those things where they just went, oh, I look pretty, let's do that, you know, but it, yeah. yeah, anyway, I, I, I was, was know, just curious whether or not, because they made a, a big deal out of the kind of ritualistic aspect of it when they go and see the chimpanzees yes. to get the helmet fixed and stuff, you know, you kind of feel like there's more going on, you know, and you, you kind of feel like we're going to find out more about the about the death metal Knights of Ren, mm-hmm. you know, but, but then they didn't go anywhere. So I thought, I thought that might be something that I'd expand on in the book, but not really.
0: No, uh, the scene happens. You uh, get a little more information about the, uh, Sith alchemist. That's, uh, right, the, right. or as you call him, the chimp. Um, yeah. I am, uh, looking at that passage, um, here. And, uh, I'm just trying to see if there's anything that can really, um, you know, uh, Help you mm. fill in some blanks. Uh, it's it's it, it's just something you know. There's just something ab- about it that uh, mm. you know what I think it comes down to. I don't need the book for this. JJ <laughs> Abrams thought the mask was really cool, and he was disgusted yeah. by the sure fact was. that yeah. that it was destroyed in the Last Jedi, and he wanted to bring it back. Mm. Enough said. You know, hire me a chimp and let's make it happen. Okay. Uh, this, <laughs> JJ said the casting. Um, let's jump ahead to uh, Lando on uh, Pisana. Uh, I
1: because, wondered if they were going to go there for, I thought they might, might just give us an EU nod and go, well, it was Revan's helmet. So, you know. No, no, no. no, fix no. You, you don't get anything <laughs>
0: like that. You, you don't
1: get any of that.
0: It's Kylo's <laughs> through and through. Um, yeah, yeah. so Lando you get a little more information on Lando uh he obviously is on the planet Pisana because he and Luke were uh, in search of the Emperor's mm. Wayfinder and they believed that Ochi from Bastoon had some information um about it and he did clearly so they uh they literally chased him across the galaxy to Pisana, and then um they found his ship, but uh, no Ochi. <laughs> what happened to mm. Ochi? We, we, I mean, it's like we know he landed here. Where'd he go? Well, he didn't make it very mm. far because he fell into those sinking pits and was stuck down there. While Lando and Luke were walking around, you know, on ground level looking for the guy, he's probably like, <laughs> "Hey Luke, you hear anything?" <laughs> Luke, mm. I, I swear to God, I heard the sounds of somebody screaming for their <laughs> life, Luke. That was
1: nothing. That was nothing. It's moments love that. You're hearing the wind. Well, it's well, moments like that when you realize what a different universe still was this to Star Trek because you just kind of think oh we're looking for the ship scan the planet there it is you know and then you think like how did a starship that can still fly with a robot in it uh-huh. remain buried under the ground for like 30 oh, years or whatever you know it's, they do explain like, well,
0: they do explain yeah oh good it is because of those sinking fields that surrounded the ship no locals that's would dare go in to. it's too dangerous that
1: uh, makes perfect sense that's good
0: none yeah. of the locals wanted to go near mm-hmm. that um, yeah, yeah. and, and anyone who tried, uh, you know, made a big mistake. So, huh. um, so, cool. uh, yeah. so Lando, okay, yeah. Lando. All, all right. Yes. So he was, uh, he, and so when he got to Pisana, he settled down and he had a family and eventually the first order hmm. went after them. Um, and, uh, specifically they refer to the old wars a few times in this book. Price says mm. it and Lando says it, or, or at least it's a part of a reference he makes. And uh, he said th- that the first order was specifically targeting the children of the heroes of the rebellion, the heroes of the galactic civil war as in, mm. as um, because they wanted to uh, destroy their spirits and so they stole their children and when they weren't even lando says uh his girl wasn't even old enough to walk and as far as he knew she was a stormtrooper and you know with no memory of her former life mm-hmm. uh, so that's uh w- what they did and uh so they um you know they went after lando and and he you know says not only did they go after me but they also corrupted han and leia's son as well so it's um He's got oh, he's got a real hang up about that, obviously. <laughs> and so he just mm. uh he left the Galactic War, he left everything and just settled down on Pasana to uh live out the rest of his days. Uh you know, poor Lando, a little depressed, you know. I mean he A Burning his, Man.
1: Yeah. I guess there's burning more Man, to the planet at burning than, Man, than the Burning yeah. Man Festival. At yeah, burning man's got there's gotta be a town somewhere maybe.
0: Yeah, yeah. He's like,
1: Well, mm. you know, they have this big party, I really enjoy it. You know, help me let my know hair what? down. the um, thing that Lando's traveling around in—that's his home. That's where he lives, or is it just transport? Because it um, looks very kind of, you know,
0: it looks homey, but it doesn't look like there's yeah. much space in
1: there. That's the problem. I don't think so. No, he'd, I would have, I would have thought that he'd have digs somewhere. You know, and yeah, this is just yeah. his way of getting about. You know, right. maybe you know, like 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 uh, what they call it, glamping, don't they? When you when you go out and you know you take a. A flashy vehicle to a rock concert and park up, you know. Uh, yeah, right. So if it feels like that, you know, he's gone. Right, we're going to Burning Man, but we're going to Burning Man in comfort. Yeah, we're going to take our. You know, I'm, taking a, I'm taking a kitchen with me and a weird alien to drive. Oh yeah, so it's like an RV. Like he's going. Yeah, yeah
0: he's going to. Right? He's going to camp. I know it's like,
1: that design was done for uh, the Force Awakens, wasn't it? I know I tripped over it the other day, where it was like, oh look, you know. It's in the, it's in the art of the Force Awakens somewhere. Well,
0: well, one thing we mm. do learn from this novel is Lando does mm. still own the Lady Luck, his famous right. flagship, and uh-huh. so uh, you know, um, obviously, that's a little more spacious than the uh, Tread. So uh-huh. I think I think Lando was a merchant. Um, this is my yeah. own. I'm not talking about the book, but just by mm. l- looking at the style and the things that were in that Tread. Uh-huh. And uh, he, yeah, had, yeah. he had a driver, so he had an employee and everything. And so I think mm. that's how he survived was he was a merchant, mm. a traveling merchant. And uh, yeah. so that's not where he lived. That's, that's nice. I like that. Yeah. I think
1: there was a lot of stuff in this movie that's kind of secondary that I really liked. You know, like stuff in the background. Like, you know, there's like a big kind of giant, like a red. Robot elephant or something. Yeah, what is, is that house. thing
0: like drilling for
1: oil or something? Or what yeah, is it doing? Looks like it. Those little throwaway things. Yeah. I really, I really like all that stuff. You know, me that too. It is. That that's was kind of cool.
0: That's what makes a great Star Wars film. Great is when your eyes mm. are darting around the frame. What's that back oh, yeah. there? What's that? Yeah. What was that? Wait, what was that? It's gone. I love yeah. it. I love it. Um, so yeah, uh, I did uh, note the thing about Ochi's ship. They say that in the book that uh, residents. Uh, would st- uh, stay clear of the place because of the sinking fields. Um, oh, mm. and then the first time uh, Finn feels the force similar to the movie, but you know, um, uh, it's uh, when Ray goes out to confront Kylo as he's approaching in his tie fighter on um, uh-huh. uh You know, uh, senses something a danger a presence it's Ren he mm. whispered probably just a feeling right <laughs> probably just a feeling right. right but so he's you know he's, he's dealing with that he's dealing with that and you know the book does uh, mention that you know he had something he needed to tell Ray and never got a chance to tell her uh, not mm. yet at least and, and they never reveal what that is actually in the book but I, I think it's clear mm. as a bell that he wanted to tell her that he thinks that he has a connection with the force He's, but, not, uh, he's JJ, not sure he said, came
1: out and said it, didn't he? he said that's what what he was going to say. Oh, did he? he said, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, He confirmed it. Yeah, definitely. Finn thinks he's got the force. Okay, yeah. um, mm-hmm. yeah, definitely confirmed it.
0: Okay, here's another note mm-hmm. I have to myself. This is uh, Kylo, mm-hmm. and he's still kind of uh, fighting the dark side, light side thing, and he had been given those uh, orders from um. Palpatine to kill Ray and he certainly tries to by running her down with his Tie Fighter. Mm, I thought that, but I just find it interesting that when he emerges from the cockpit of the crashed Tie, that he um, and and he's surprised by the 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 feeling of relief that he didn't kill her. He was relieved
1: that he didn't kill Ray even attempting to do so. So here you see how did make sense of that? Because you know, I think everybody's thinking the same thing. If he wants to kill her, shoot her. Yeah. You know, well, I like, you know, I think yeah. he's letting the dark side, he, he's mm. giving
0: himself to the dark side of the force. I mean, willingly, obviously, mm. that's what he wants. Mm. That's what he's been trying to achieve is full envelopment of the darkness mm. and the evil that the dark side of the force promotes. But he just can't do it. So when he emerges from mm. the... Uh, crashed uh, TIE fighter, he feels relief. And I think that might be the light side of the force. Clearly he does Mm, want her mm. to join him because he knows that the two of them together are powerful in a very special kind of way.
1: Jimmy, do you feel like it communicates any more clearly like what what kylo's issues are i mean is is it just uncle luke trying to kill me or is there more to it than that because clearly oh uh, there's
0: more there's you know, more that comes I mean, up I mean, in he, the book he
1: clearly clearly there was a reason why yep. he, had, oh, like, yeah. he, he sh- yeah. leaned towards the dark side and luke fell away but it, it i'm not really sure we've we've seen why other than like daddy cleared off and went back to being some smuggler and <laughs> you know I, I don't know like with anakin you kind of go well there's a ton of really great reasons why this kid's going to grow up a bit messed up but I'm not. I'm not convinced that we've we've really had a solid reason why Kylo, you know, went went bad. I mean, other than it's just been his nature. Well, it, you know?
0: it. Well, I mean, obviously the influence of Snoke,
1: could, you know, yeah, the pawn of Palpatine.
0: Yeah, yeah. They were feeding mm. him a lot of lies
1: about his. How parents? long did he know him for? That's the thing, though. I mean, it was like Snoke just delivering milk or the newspapers and turning up at cello household and kind of going, "Hey, kid." You know, yeah. let me tell you a story. How <laughs> did that connection happen? There are some
0: secrets revealed yeah. in the new Kylo hmm. Ren Marvel comic miniseries. series. saw.
1: When he wears mm. a flat cap, too. That's kind of cool. Yeah. yeah you know, Snoke, yeah. Snoke what? has a sense of style.
0: <laughs> Right, and, yeah. Ky- and Kylo <laughs> does have accessibility to Snoke. He can actually go see yeah. Snoke, and it's uh-huh. it's not really revealed uh, how Snoke mm. uh, comes in control of the First Order. But I mean, I think yeah. it's, we can draw a lot of conclusions. Palpatine had agents within the First Order, and they were able right. to uh, they were mm. able to. Um, do all kinds of things for him. And that comes up later. Mm. I'll bring that up. And
1: it and, kind of feels like something that they shouldn't have missed out for me. Like a lot, a lot of people are kinda of go, well, couldn't they told us this? Couldn't they told us that? My attitude is this is still was when we're in first gear. We haven't got time to mess around, telling you everything. Just go with it. You know, you're on a ride. But when it comes to the big stuff, it's like, I'd kind of like to have a better understanding of why sure. Carlo is how he is. Oh, you of know? course you would.
0: All right. Here's a, mm-hmm. um, a scene that did not end up in the film. And I think it's fabulous. After mm. the first order had taken Chewbacca captive and off the mm. planet, Pasadena, they had him in um, a cell on board the Star Destroyer, and Kylo pays Chewbacca a personal visit, and it's really interesting. He goes in there and he's he's thinking about you know their whole history and stuff, and he just completely wipes that off his thoughts. He says to uh, Chewie, "I've he, he's." mad at Chewie. He goes, I haven't forgotten that you shot me. Because, of course, Chewie shot him uh, in episode seven, right? (laughs) I like it. And so he he takes... Oh, it's great. And he takes off Chewbacca's shackles. Mm. He drops his lightsaber and he goes, kill me. I'm unarmed. Now's your chance. Have your revenge for Han Solo. And Chewbacca laughs at him. He growls and then he laughs at him. Wow. First, he, 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 he growls at him, and then Kylo starts feeding off of Chewie's anger. And he tries to get Chewie to react in his anger. Because, yeah. he, you know, he's, he, he thinks, he tells Chewie that, he says the dark side, he goes, he says, feel that, it makes you feel alive, doesn't it? That burning, the dark side, it makes you powerful. You understand that. So he says that to mm. Chewie, and this goes back to what Yoda said about the Wookiees in Episode 3, about how they have mm. their own affinity for the Force. So Chewie is obviously a little connected mm. to the Force, and Kylo is picking up on that. Mm. And then that
1: makes Chewie Who wrote laugh. that? Who wrote that dialogue? Who's writing this? This is Ray Carson. No, no, Ray Carson. Yes. Yeah, that's tight, man. Great dialogue. I, great I like stuff. it. Oh, it's really stuff. edgy.
0: And so... Um, mm. So... Um, uh, Kylo tries to interrogate Chewie a little bit about Ray. Where's she going? Mm. I want to know. You know. And um, yeah. and uh, so um, Kylo wasn't doing a good job interrogating Chewie, so he attempted to mind-prober mm. him, like he did with Ray in Episode 7, right? Mm. Mm-hmm. And he thought he was going to find fear. He thought he was going to find pain because of the fact mm. that Chewie was captive and chained to a wall Mm -hmm. or what have you. But Mm -hmm. instead, when he started probing Chewie, all he could find is images of Chewie with younger Han Solo. He could only find images of Chewie at at Han and Leia's wedding. Chewie Mm -hmm. holding Kylo as an infant. Chewie teaching Kylo how to fly a speeder, how to shoot a Mm -hmm. blaster. And... Mm -hmm. um, and everything that made Chewie Uncle Chewie to a young yeah, yeah, yeah. to a young Ben Solo, so yeah, yeah. it made the dark sider inside Kylo Ren ill. So he walked away. Right, and he's, he's, I like it. He was a little shaken Fantastic. by that. He was a little shaken. Mm. He walked away. What a with, great scene! Oh, you know, I would have loved mm. to see that in the movie. Yeah. Um, but, you know,
1: I don't want to play what ifs here. Um, oh, more. No, with... It's fun, though. You it's go... fun. I mean, I don't think it should have been necessarily mm. been in there. You know, yeah. you've got plenty of other stuff that need to go in, but it's a great moment. Oh, yeah, for for that.
0: years and years, I would read the novelization of mm. the 77 film and always say, man, I yeah. want those big scenes back in. Bigs! <laughs> yeah. I want the bigs! <laughs> I want it. I want that stuff in there, Hey, bud. Wormy! Yeah. Wormy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, so, and our buddy, uh, Anthony, um, is in those, uh-huh, scenes. For Anthony Forrest, yeah, yeah, yeah. he's, he's, you know, you get to see him. He's not under a stormtrooper helmet. So, uh-huh. um, okay. Uh, more with Zori bliss, I'm uh, sorry, bliss. I'm sorry. On, mm-hmm. um, on Kijimi after the, uh, heroes leave. Uh, and so, because a lot of people have been like well, how did Zori get off planet so fast and all that, you know? Well, she, uh, mm-hmm. she knew what was up. And, uh, so she started alerting her crew and, uh, they make a, a mad, uh, getaway out of, you know, just in time too. I mean, like mm-hmm. there's, there's a, an imperial walker outside their front door and, uh, they get mm-hmm. the hell out of there. So she gets off planet in her Y wing with, uh, with a little Babu. And, uh, mm-hmm. And we uh oh here's here's some interesting stuff. When Kylo appears to Ray in their third vision, you know, their third connection via the dyad and the force, um yeah. she is actually in his quarters and he is on the planet Kijimi. And that's when um he starts uh revealing to her that they are a dyad in the force, and um why did i uh, why did I put a note here He says you're the mm-hmm. you're, okay, he reveals to her the palpatine the dyad um, he takes off his mask uh, you know what there's really nothing extra in here i don't know why I uh, made a note of this. Palpatine doesn't know that they are a dyad in the force. Um, okay, I don't know why I put a post it note there.
1: I mean, I guess they're not they're not they don't really explore the whole diet thing that much in the movie, do they? You know, so I mean, it's any mention of the diet is worth worth throwing out because if you kind of go, yeah, well, you're getting a little bit more, you know, you're getting a bit more of an understanding about why it matters to him and that kind of thing. Um, Palpatine reaches out. To Kylo via
0: the Force, you see this scene in the film when Kylo's on board the Star Destroyer, mm. and he's just, like, facing a wall, talking to it, and he's communicating mm. with Palpatine. Mm. Um, but during that communication, uh, what's revealed in the book is that Kylo notes that Palpatine looks much weaker than the first time they they met. So, obviously, mm. time is becoming of the essence for the Emperor. Yeah. And he really Uh. needs, uh, you know, he's trying to manipulate things. He keeps telling Kylo to kill, um, kill Ray. But I believe that's because he thinks Ray is capable, is going to kill Kylo and, you know, clean up that, the Skywalker mess once and for all. And then Mm. Ray would come and face him down alone and he'd be able to convince her to uh, join him. Uh, So... Because that had always puzzled me too. If, if, uh, if Ray was really the only viable vessel for the spirit of Palpatine to possess, then why would he Mm. demand her death? Well, I think he was just setting up Kylo. You know, he was he figured, well, she she's yeah. bested him a couple times mm-hmm. in these saber duels and he's barely escaped with his life. She's going to end up killing him sooner or later. Or maybe there was he had a vision in the force that Ray was gonna kill Kylo. It's never explained. Um mm-hmm. so more of uh, Zori Zorian Kajimi warning the crew, but it's clear that the Emperor is dying. Palpatine is dying. And Kylo Mm. knows this, and, you know, he thinks it gives him an advantage. Um, The Wayfinder, the Wayfinder. Well, they know the Wayfinder is in the Imperial vaults. So that's why they attempt to get to the Death Star. But I don't know, you know, I don't consider that. That seemed like more of like a a, a sub-office off of the throne room for Palpatine. So I don't know if it was necessarily in the vaults as much as it was in Palpatine's Sith stash. Um, I just thought it was weird that they said that was in the vaults. Ray versus dark Ray. Again, I want to point out that that sequence is very much just like Luke having that vision on the cave in Dagobah where it's, you know, we don't really get any real indication toward his, his uh, dark side potential up until that point. And I find it's kind of similar with Ray too, because what she sees in that vision of, you know, dark Ray, um, she, she realizes that she's seeing her deepest fear. And so Ray was herself was afraid of slipping to the dark side. She even noted her own potential to go evil even before she had the vision. So it's something that's been eating away at her. And also keep in mind at this point, she does know that she is the daughter of Palpatine. When Luke Mm. had his vision, he did not know he was the son of Vader. So Mm. it has such an impact, you know, and she's able to decipher it probably easier than Luke could have deciphered that vision in the cave on Dagobah. That's just my interpretation. All right. So far, so good, Paul.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, okay, right. it sounds enriching, you know.
0: Yeah. Oh, it's very enriching, and, and I haven't even gotten to the real,
1: the mm. real fireworks yet. Um, you, you would think you would think that's always the case, but it's not necessarily. I mean, there've been a few novelizations where you think, yeah, it's all right, you know, but it hasn't necessarily brought every- anything new to the table, you know, nothing oh, important. Yeah. But it sounds like the, the, there seems to be a, you know, a tune at the moment. Everyone's singing that's the the whole kind of like, oh, I shouldn't have to read a book to blah blah blah. But I think, you know, it's two hours of a very, very rich, um, you know, story. And it's got all this history behind it and everything else. So anything that can kind of clear this stuff up a little bit and, and have it make a little bit more sense is uh, I think is always going to be appreciated. I think it's I think it's a good idea to, to embroider things a little bit. And I kind of feel like some of this has been made up post film and some of it has probably been pulled from, you know, Early drafts of the script or yeah. whatever well, was uh, yeah. was passed on, you know. When, well, I'm
0: sure you know, and the, the Colin Trevorrow mm. script and everything, uh, I, I'm sure comes into yeah. play too. You know, they yeah. They, they, they yeah and yeah, yeah. Trevorrow and um, and uh, and uh, and Ontario, um, they they do get a a screenwriting credit. On really? the, don't oh, cool. They? Yeah, um, uh, based on a story by Derek Connolly and Colin Trevorrow. And Chris Terrio and JJ Abrams. All <laughs> right, all right, right. So when JJ yeah, says the they started. From,
1: your natural, you know?
0: When JJ says they started from scratch, that's not 100% true because they definitely picked away mm-hmm. elements. And of course, we reviewed the early draft of the uh, alternate version of Episode 9, The Duel of the Fates. And we noted some mm-hmm. similarities there, too, you know. Yeah. Um, certain things that would maybe take it in a different direction a little bit. Okay, here's a big one. And I wish this stuff was in the movie. Leia communicating with the spirit of Luke. Okay. Oh, yeah. Um, But then how could they, you know? Well, you know, let Luke Hmm. do all the talking. You know, yeah, or or yeah. do it just like you know on Superman, where Luke appears as a big head instead of Jorel, It's Luke, and he starts <laughs> talking, and you you zoom into yeah. his eye, and you see space and all this <laughs> stuff. You know, you see the you know, yeah, like, I know what you mean yeah, You know, you <laughs> could that. have done yeah. it that way, just looking over <laughs> her shoulder. Um, mm-hmm. That could have easily been pulled off.
1: So, you got to be careful; it doesn't look like that that Austin Powers thing, you know, where he always happens to have his privates hidden by fruit. <laughs> you know, when, he's, when he's walking, it could be like that if you're not careful. It's like. All oh, right, like, and Carrie walks behind the stick again, or you know, <laughs> yeah, right, or right. happens to sit down. See, so it's, it's yeah, take it's like a deaf touch to pull it off. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, so she's
0: communicating with Luke, and Luke is encouraging mm. her to reach out with the force to Kylo, make mm. that connection the same way he appeared on the battlefield on crate. He is huh. pushing Leia into doing that very same thing, with the knowledge that doing that. By doing something like that, extending yourself in the force to that degree, you are going to be sacrificing your life.
1: Yeah. Leia knows it. Luke knew she was on the way out or something already and just thought, yeah, what the heck. You, it, you know, know there, there's – I mean, he's a force ghost. He would know whether a time is destined to be up, I suppose.
0: Well, you, you know, they do hint that Leia is not exactly um, – they don't say she's sick anywhere, but they, they mention mm. that she moves tenderly, that she, mm-hmm. you know, hey,
1: whatever. She gets sucked out of the outer space as an old lady. You know, yeah, so right, right.
0: Think. Yes. That probably has an effect.
1: They has got to be recovering.
0: They don't directly attach that mm. information or that connection to this in the book. But, yeah, that obviously mm. had done a lot to... Um, to set her back a little bit. Uh, you Mm -hmm. wouldn't know by watching the return or the last Jedi because she emerged Mm -hmm. from the coma and was able to shoot a blaster with deadly accuracy and was down on the planet, ready to fight. So, uh, But here we learn that yes, it obviously must have taken her the toll on her, uh, despite the fact she's so strong with the force. So Luke is there talking to her, saying, "There's only one thing left to do. You must try to reach Ben." Then she flashes back. Uh, She has these visions of her holding uh, baby Ben in her arms uh, right after he was born. Um, Mm -hmm. How he would always he would cry, but get settled down whenever Han or Chewie were near. She remembered his first Mm -hmm. steps, his first word, all the big milestones. Of growing Mm. up and as a parent watching your child grow up, you never forget these moments. And then she remembers the first time he used the force. He sent a toy flying Mm. across the room calling on his tiny toddler rage. So the first time he used the force, the Mm. force was initially opened up to him in Mm. via an act of aggression and so the very first time he used the force, he decided he tapped into the dark side. Obviously, only a toddler. You know, we know toddlers do crazy stuff. They throw really? food on the floor. They paint the walls. They they you know <laughs> they barf all over the place.
1: You know, they don't know what they're doing. So you can't it, it blame him. Pull, it, it. it pulls something up, you know, that you, I haven't really thought about before. But the fact that, you know, the only time we've explored kind of children in the force has been obviously the younglings. When they've been teaching them as very, very young kids, you know, and then the, the few times when Yoda said like he's too old, too old he is, and all that kind of thing, but we've never really experienced like uh, the beginning of a force user as a as a baby, have we, or as a child? And it must happen, mm-hmm. but you think like I wonder if it's, I wonder if that was um, considered when it came to kind of like you know stuff like uh, what was what was Ryan Johnson's film about the that time travel Looper looper you know that akira moment where the kids got psychic powers and everything that's that's deadly you know and i've often thought like maybe the you know, force users as children would be a lot like akira like kind of like super dangerous and psychic and with enormous potential to harm people just because the kids and they're not developed psychologically yet you know but uh i guess this is kind of as near as we've ever got to that sort of subject in and in a novel you know it's kind of cool very cool
0: uh, yeah. And uh, you know, so despite the fact that Kylo has uh, been displaying the, these uh, you know exhibiting these um these mm. uh, dark side tendencies going back to being a toddler Leia mm. still says she never gave up hope for him. And Luke says well that you got to tell him that. And mm. uh, so then all of a sudden Leia has another vision and it's Luke sitting cross-legged hovering atop a cliff on ahch projecting himself onto the battlefield of crait and mm. and she, and so you know leia knows that the effort to reach ben in that situation um took everything luke had and now leia realizes that if she's going to reach her son through the vast uh the vast uh space and time that she needs to do so it's going to take all of her personal life force just like it did to luke so she's you know she's um, you know, reserved and ready, and she's going to. Um, she fully knows what the result will be when she reaches out to Kylo. She knows it's the last thing she's going to do as a as a person. So um, now, oh, this is good stuff. We start to realize a little bit about what was going on with the manipulation of Ben Solo by Palpatine and Snoke. And when Leia reaches out to Ben and he stops dueling with with Ray, I mean, Ben's whole world stops, you know, I mean, everything comes screeching to a halt. He can't do Mm. anything because the presence of Leia upon him is so heavy, you know. And she hears his voice and stuff and um, Ray picks up on it, too. And it's the last thing Leia does is you know she she reaches out to uh Ben and that makes mm-hmm. him freeze and of course Ray takes the uh, opportunity to to stab him in the gut and then heal him and then he has a vision of Han Solo nowhere in the book does it say that Leia is responsible for the vision of Han Solo but I think she clearly is I think as she became one with the light side of the force she was able to tap into Kylo's memories and bring back Han in a vision that will allow Kylo the opportunity to fully, um, fully reach that moment of penance and reconciliation with the, the murder of his father and do so with his father there, you know, and that mm-hmm. was, that was real important. And that's what fully brings Kylo back to the light side. And so Kylo's standing there after the vision and after Ray is split in his ship and he just, all he can think about is why had Leia loved him all up into the her last moment after everything he did, uh, because Snoke had told him otherwise Snoke lied about everything and these voices in his head, they would all tell him things about his parents they don't care about you. They only care about their precious new republic. They just love the, you know, and then the resistance. Right. And, and, you know, yeah, yeah. they would just they don't want, they, you're a burden to them. All they care about is the business of running the galaxy. And so, you know, mm-hmm. that made him bitter. I mean, that really helped push him to the dark side. You know, um, that's what Sith Lords do. They use your love and compassion mm-hmm. for your family and they turn it against you to bring you over to their side. That's what Palpatine did with Anakin by playing. So Snoke so was for kind of folded
1: into the new republic the same way that Palpatine was was, you know, part of the old Well movies. that I don't know. That I don't know. Right. Uh, I'm just trying to like picture this. it, you know, when you got the opportunity to do so, because like coming into Force Awakens is just the big bad, you know. So we've not had the, the kind of early, the early, early days of Snoke. Right. But, you know, before everybody kind of went, wait, get this weirdo away from my kid. <laughs> Well, it's, you know, it's clear, a, it's, it's clear. God, called Looney. Yes. Yeah. Well, it's
0: clear that, and of course, Han yeah. and Leia were off tending to the, you know, some big business right. in the galaxy, right? So, I yeah. mean, they, so, I so obviously Kylo was left to himself, or Ben was left to himself a little bit. Right. Um, But, uh, so the influence of Palpatine or Snoke on Kylo Ren has been going on for a while because they say that uh, Mm. they mentioned the uh, New Republic. So Mm. even prior to the existence of the Resistance and Leia's role in that uh, military organization, um, uh, Kylo was Mm. coming under the influence of the dark side of the Force via the voices in his head. Um, Mm. So, uh, yeah, they would always say things like um, to Kylo, uh, especially after he left his family because um, maybe he was struggling with that. And they would say things to him like, it's too late. They'll never take you back. Things mm. like, and so Kylo really felt after Leia's passing and the fact that he had killed his own father a few years prior, um, everything that the darksiders were telling him came true because his parents are now mm. gone. Now they can really never take him back. And he recognizes mm. the loss. So he recognizes that, you know, and so Mm. that's part of his his penance and uh, a penance he has to serve now via the light side of the force. So I I dig on all that. You know, it gives us just a little bit more insight what's going on inside his head. Yeah. Um, You say you don't sound convinced. You're like, yeah, yeah, whatever.
1: I don't know. I I, I don't know. I mean, it's one of those things where maybe, you know, I can, I accept it. No, I think it's good that they're thinking about it. You know, I'm just... I don't know. I find it hard to picture, you know? Uh, I, I, well, think I think are missing...
0: I think if a kid uh, is left uh, alone and comes under mm-hmm. the influence of a of a bad influence, um, well, we know a, any kid really could be turned that, against his so. parents. I mean, look what yeah. R. Kelly does with his girlfriends, for crying out loud. I'm not kidding
1: you. Yeah. That's dark side personified. <laughs> R. Kelly. Yeah, so. you can't imagine, like, Kid Kylo kind of going, "Oh, Snoke's so cool. Look at him. You know... <laughs> Yeah, hey, but, but but Snow I think all girls, I think know?
0: Snoke open well. I mean, the same could be said as like if you looked at, at Palpatine, Chancellor Palpatine, <laughs> know, joking, standing but, yeah. there next to, to Mace Windu, Samuel L. Jackson. Who are you going to oh. hang with? You're going to hang with <laughs> Sam L Jackson. So yeah. it's the same. It's it's who can provide <laughs> you with the power. That's how they feed yeah, off okay. you. They
1: feed off your aggression. The field I think, is is that you can understand why Anakin is vulnerable to this kind of you know influence whereas whereas I, i'm not convinced that i've found out a solid enough reason why kylo was open to it you know like, even though his parents went around and stuff like that, you're going eh. you know i mean still i mean like leia's his mother you know and for all, for, you know, for all that they've rewritten his story and stuff and who the character was, you still think like, yeah, but he's still Han Solo. Yeah, I know. But yeah. I mean, like, you he's know, the you hear about, in the universe, you you know, hear
0: about so. these kids who leave their families and join these weird cults and stuff. The, the cultists, yeah, it's part of their yeah. conditioning. Mm. It's part of their mm. conditioning is to turn you against the people who care for you, turn you against the institutions in your life. That's what it's all about, and it's just like some well, weird I mean, cult. They always say that
1: about, like you know, like uh, yeah. I mean, even things like Scientology and stuff like that. They always, they always say that you know there isn't there isn't a type of person that gets sucked into a cult. It's just people. I mean, everybody's vulnerable to it if you just you know if if you if you just you know if you're open and uh, yeah. not nice people and idiots and smart people alike all get kind of sucked into these things, don't they?
0: I believe it was Creed from The Office who said. I've been in, he said, I've been in several cults, both as a leader and a follower. You have more fun as a follower, but you make more money as a leader. <laughs> right, <yeah. laughs> so later in the book, uh, Pri, uh, pride, that's his name. G- General pride. He uh, is communicating yeah. with Palpatine and this is a line I couldn't figure out. Uh, even after seeing the film seven times, um, He says, as I served you in the old wars, I serve you now. So then there again with that old Mm -hmm. wars business, I thought at first he said the clone wars. I served you in the clone wars. I'm like, how old is this guy? But um, yes. <laughs> the old wars. Yeah. So I guess that's just in general uh, how the galaxy refers to the series of events that happened in the rise and downfall of the Empire. They just call it the old wars. We call it mm-hmm. the Clone Wars. We call it the Galactic Civil War. They just lump it all together and call it the old wars. Oh, those are the old wars. Um, mm-hmm. Where did the Sith Army really come from? The army on Exegol. That's all explained. Um, mm mm-hmm.
1: Are we Talking about the guys in, in red, or are we talking yeah, the about guys the in red, the guys yeah, yeah, in okay. red, and
0: this was touched upon a little bit in the uh, visual dictionary that came out of, uh, a
1: couple of months ago. But uh, they were, they were like blinking and you miss it in the movie, weren't they? They were like, Oh, yeah, we're unfortunate. Talker. I would have
0: liked to see more of those Sith, uh, those red Sith troopers. I thought
1: they were really going to feature, or was it like I think they were in on screen for like 20 seconds or something collectively, <laughs> you know? It's like, oh. But so they focus on this captain mm. Sabron who is right. the
0: commander of the um, star destroyer mm. that eventually opens fire and destroys the planet Kijimi. That's the uh. Uh, the first final order star destroyer to uh, go into new republic space and start causing some problems. Mm. And so they get mm. in ahead of this captain a little bit and um uh, this segment says uh, the bridge was filled with final order officers, many raised on Exegol, just like her. Others from various planets in the unknown regions. Several were children of the Empire, following in their parents' footsteps. Many of the crimson-clad stormtroopers had been conscripted by the First Order as children and then carefully called and disappeared by spies based on their potential. Everyone on this bridge had wor- had been working toward one goal the return of the Sith. So you hear, so you see where all these, where this army comes from. They were all raised by children. uh, They were all raised as children in the, uh, in in servitude to the uh, first, the first order, some of them, and then Mm -hmm. spies on Palpatine's behalf, Sith eternal spies that had Mm -hmm. uh, been um, working uh, for the first order, then would take, the youngest children that the first order would um, appreh- or apprehend—what's um, the word I should say—that uh, the first order would, uh, they would conscript the children into uh, yeah. in the servitude for the uh, army. Mm. So they would take the best ones and ship them out to Palpatine, I'd be like, "Where did that kid go? I don't know. Well, I guess we mm-hmm. better get some more kids." Um, <laughs> so am a little mm. more about Babu Frick. Uh, they do kind of explain how he has a connection to some folks uh, in the Endor system, which explains how mm-hmm. he got that random call from him that's uh, told as a part of the exposition by uh, Janna when they first came across he, them. Was
1: he? Uh, did he get the helmet? <laughs> uh, Makes you wonder he... with the helmet, you know, we've still not had that fully explained, have we, about, like, how the Vader helmet showed up and stuff? Uh, no, I don't. Oh, yeah, that's right, yeah.
0: Because we no, all kind of assumed we were going to get yeah. to
1: Endor, didn't we, you know, uh, at some point, but I wonder where that ended up. But Hey,
0: mm. remember when Luke passed off Hans dice to Leia? Yeah.
1: Remember Ghost that? dice. Yeah. Right.
0: They, she, Kylo found those left behind in their uh. base on crate. Remember when he picked them up, they disappeared. Huh? So I bet something similar happened with Vader's helmet, you know, yeah, like maybe. doesn't stay there. Yeah. indefinitely. It, yeah. It gradually yeah. Will fade away. Um, mm. Uh, Ray didn't know about Kylo's Wayfinder at first. I heard a lot of people asking this question. It's something I kind of considered myself. After she had taken Kylo's ship to Octo uh, to go hide, like Luke did, she sets the ship on fire and everything and uh, talks to Luke. And Luke hands, uh, you know, he presents Ray with uh, Leia's lightsaber. And he tells Ray that she's going to go to Exegol. With the two sabers and confront Palpatine, and Ray says, "Well, I can't get. I, I how am I going to do that?" And Luke goes, "You have everything you have, you need, right? You have everything you need." Mm. And so she goes then into the burning wreckage of Kylo's TIE fighter and pulls out the Wayfinder. So I think a lot of people were like, well, why didn't she just go directly to Exegol instead of going back to Well, number one, she wanted to hide and and felt like Mm. her her presence on the uh, galactic stage was causing more harm than good. And um, secondly, she didn't know she had that Wayfinder in the ship. And that's revealed in the novel that uh, she didn't realize the Wayfinder was in Kylo's ship. And so she just finds it then after Luke's Luke hints to her that it's there. Mm. Um, oh, the war strategy against the Sith fleet on Exegol. That was kind of confusing with that tower and everything. Remember that? Uh, I was a little confused by all that, but here's, here's, they come up with a game plan. Okay. Um, Mm -hmm. as long as those star destroyers on Exegol, we can hit them and, uh, they can't activate their shields until they leave the atmosphere. Um, and that's not easy on Exegol. Ships at, side need, ships at size need help taking off because their navigation can't tell which way is up and which way is down due to all the electrical storm disturbances Okay. So ships that big can't easily Mm -hmm. go in and out without.
1: Oh, that was a line we really could have done within the movie. Oh yeah.
0: Well, I couldn't figure out what it was. What was happening there? So they. Yeah, that would have
1: made so much more sense to me. That was that was the only thing where I was like, wait, what? Why are they all just sitting there and? Yeah. So
0: they were That's all ga- they were all gathered getting ready to take mm-hmm. off in a, like a caravan, mm-hmm. like a convoy mm-hmm. out of there. They use a single from the navigation tower that helps guide them through all of those weird anomalies in space when you're uh-huh. leaving the Exegol system.
1: So I'll give you a little weird bit of truth about that. Sure. It's quite free. My buddy Marshall Barron is an archer and the the pair of us were, were in Ridley Scott's Robin Hood as as Merry Men. And uh Ma- Marshall teaches archery. He's, he's probably like third or fifth ranked in Europe, something like that. He's an amazing, amazing archer. And he taught the um, Lando's daughter how to use the bow and take that shot. So one of my best friends was the guy that taught her how to do that. He also taught all Wonder Woman's um, legions how to use, use bows on horseback and stuff like that. Oh, it's wow, a of a, man. This guy. is the guy. Marshall Barron, very talented guy. Wow. He, he uh... Although I'm from Nottingham and should, should be a reasonable archer. Marshall was the guy who got me in shape for Robin Hood. Do you got think me, there are any me...
0: videos of him on YouTube that uh, our listeners can uh, go check if out? If there
1: aren't, I'll, I'll put you in touch because he's, he's an amazing archer. We both had to take an, a, a crazy shot on Robin Hood where we had to light up a, – a, basically they, they throw like a uh, like I think it's a dagger with a, like a, a bag that's got explosives in it. And then we have to sort of shoot at the bag. And it has to go up in one and like sort of about seven of us had to take the shot and all the arrows had to hit at the same time. So it's quite a tall order. So uh, Marshall was the guy that got us all so we could shoot a, shoot a bow like 40 foot and hit a target like together at the same time. So he's a bit of a clever guy and he's a great archery teacher. Amazing. Marshall awesome.
0: Barron. Well, for those of you who might not uh, know this. Paul yeah. has been involved in uh, several film productions on camera uh, from uh, generated out of the uh, Pinewood studios. The down, it's been years. Well, it's, it's, been, it's been years, but the movies are, they never go away. You know, you're, you're in uh, Harry Potter at the very end when um, they're on that uh, train platform. There you are. And I've seen you in, okay, I, I think I saw you Spoiling in a, lots of movies, a born identity yeah. movie. I know you were in gladiator. And of course, for our uh, Star Wars fans out there, there may be one or two listening. Paul was actually Mina Tills in Revenge of the Sith. So um, that I was, was in Paul.
1: Batman and Doctor Who and all kinds of stuff. So I've got yeah. most. I've ticked off most of the wish list. The only thing I don't think I've ticked off is I nearly got on Planet of the Apes, but it was a Tim Burton one, mm-hmm. and I didn't didn't get that. I'm a Huge Apes fan, so I would love to have done that. And uh, yeah, there's a few I haven't done a Trek yet, but obviously yeah. they they're usually filmed in the US. So Double O Seven. Uh, I've done a yeah, I've done a Bond movie. I was in a Bond film. Which uh, one? One of the, one of the um Pierce Brosnan ones. Which was the one in was it The World Is Not Enough or something? Mm-hmm. Ninety nine, nine, yeah, right, two thousand. Right. Yeah, yeah. So one of those. Yeah, yeah. Well, we'll we'll be looking yeah. for
0: your big action sequences in those. For... <laughs> it's usually That's you Black in the background, Blur,
1: right? Blur, number forty seven. <laughs> yeah.
0: No, oh, that's very cool. Um, so they need to they need to take out this uh, tower so these ships can't fly uh, mm. out of the atmosphere. And also they recognize that um, with those ships having the power to use those cannons to destroy a planet, they they recognize mm. that those cannons are probably directly connected to the reactor of the ship, because that's the only way they can generate that sort of firepower. They'd have to be taking uh, energy directly from the reactor. And so, you know what that means in star Wars terms, if they have access to the reactor, they're going to blow that sucker up. And so they recognize that as a weakness on board, the Sith star destroyers that the, um, the cannons can be fired upon and that will cause a chain reaction that will blow up the, uh, the ship. So much like with the death star, um, Oh, a beautiful, cool scene when Lando reunites with the millennium Falcon after all these years. And oh, uh, he takes a little tour of it and, uh, you know, no, you know, has a lot of memories flooding, and you know, he thinks back to mm-hmm. when he owned it and the parties he threw in there and stuff. And he goes into Chewie's little uh living quarters, tiny little area there where his um oh. his cape closet used to be. And oh, yeah. uh, he's a little disappointed to see they're not using it for capes anymore, but it was <laughs> it was kind of carved out to be a, a, a cool compartment to stash. Uh, whatever uh-huh. uh, kind of contraband the uh, smugglers were carrying on board. So. But, you know, he gets filled with emotion mm. going through that sequence, and I, I really enjoy that. When we were watching the film the other day, recording our commentary mm. track, you, Jason noted you get a brief glimpse of Lando sort of um, reviewing the, the, the Falcon and just, you know, just brief shot of him. And Jason's like, oh, I didn't recognize that shot before. You see Lando on board the Falcon in the corridor there. Uh, so that's you know you can take that little moment and expand upon it. That's probably what he mm. was
1: doing. I right. like it when I like it when writers manage to find moments, you know, that we kind of yeah we didn't we didn't realize that we wanted to to see. And there are there are a few. I remember exploring that uh, like years ago when I was uh, talking to one of the book publishers and we, we were chatting about like potentially. This is before, even before the buyout, I think, and we were we chatting about the possibility of doing stuff to do with um, like moments that you didn't see in Star Wars that we know had happened, you know, and the, there's all kinds of stuff like when 3PO gets taken in by the Jawas, you know, you see him get spotted and stuff like that, but you don't see the moments when he gets dragged in and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And there's, there's loads of those moments that you know had to happen but we didn't see. And I think one of the great things about these books is the way that they can kind of find those moments for you where you think like, yeah, that definitely happened, but we never, you know, but right, we right. never saw it. Well, I love those. Yeah. yeah. As, as those far as feel like, yeah, definitely that, that, that did happen. Yeah. You know?
0: Well, this book it's definitely, this book definitely serves that mm. purpose and, and does expand yeah. on a lot of things. And, and we're really, and now we're getting into the real stuff here. Now we're getting into the gold. Um, now Ray is uh, confronting Palpatine and uh, he, uh, again, this is the second time he's referenced as a clone in the book, okay, he says Gosh. it was her grandfather, his spirit trapped in an artificial form, his power too devastating to contain. So that line right there indicates yeah. it's a very similar situation as to is uh, mm. is how the return of Palpatine was facilitated in the old Dark Empire comics. Where mm. he kept having to go through all these clones, he had vats filled with clone bodies because mm. he knew whatever vessel he was in was temporary because the dark side mm.
1: would eat it from the inside out. So do they? Do they communicate? Like how long he's been either in this clone body or how many clone bodies? I'm getting he's been there. Through, I'm getting or... there.
0: You'll, you'll, again, get okay. it all it all happens cool. uh, in, in one passage <laughs> here at the end. All your questions get answered. Okay. Uh-huh. Good. When I get to page 219, right now I'm on page 202. <laughs> so we're getting there, pal. Excellent. We're getting there. It, it, <laughs> you'll be glad you stayed tuned in, tuned in to get to this part. Um, but so yeah. Palpatine, you know, he reveals uh, that he never wanted Ray dead. He always wanted her there to serve as Empress Palpatine. And he <laughs> is, is hey. now trying to, uh, he, ex- he even explains, you know, the Sith, they, they often tell you exactly what's going on, and uh, mm-hmm. you really need to listen closely to them because they're not BSing. He says her hatred, her anger is uh, going to lead her to kill him, and if she should try to do that, his spirit will pass into her. All the Sith live in Palpatine. Now, do you understand how this works? The Sith, the rule of two, for a thousand years this has been going on, generation after generation. You would have a Sith rule of two, beginning with Darth Bane, when eventually part of the tradition and the heritage of the Sith means that the apprentice eventually kills the master. And it is at that moment that through that act of anger, the Sith spirit can immediately transfer into another living vessel. And that vessel has to be strong in the dark side of the force. And the door only opens via anger and hatred. So if somebody killed Palpatine with purely, pure thoughts and, uh, you know, out of self-defense or whatever... He couldn't transfer to them because they aren't operating in the dark side.
1: Go oh, yeah. You, mm. So
0: you get that?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Um, and and so that's going to become real important in just a minute.
1: It's already going somewhere. I can. that's really interesting. Yes. Yeah. So
0: uh, yada yada. Yeah. They keep referring to atmosphere is atmo in this atmo, and that gets real annoying. But hey, that's at weird, least yeah. at least it ain't mm. calf. <laughs> so mm, which is the yeah, most old annoying trending. Thing. yeah so okay Ray really gets <laughs> tempted too by palpatine and and you pick up on that a little more in mm. uh, the novelization when he says strike me down take the throne as empress reign over the new empire and the fleet will be yours to do as you wish only you have the power to save them all refuse and your new family dies so Ray thinks about that she's like yeah hey, that's not that's not the worst possible thing that could happen. So she's, he's tempting her. He's tempting her. And when Palpatine says he's all the Sith, remember what I said about, you know, that moment when the, when the apprentice kills the master. The master then, as is how it's supposed to work, the master then transfers his life essence into the apprentice. Right?
1: Mm-hmm. I, I
0: don't think that's ever told to the apprentice. Ever. Okay? I don't think that little fact is ever revealed to them as they're training underneath the Master. You know, I think that's a little Sith surprise for the Apprentice, who thinks he's got the upper hand. But the Apprentice never has the upper hand. Because the Apprentice becomes essentially possessed by not just one Sith, not just the Sith they killed, but all the Sith prior. It's a it's it's an orgy going on in there Mm -hmm. of Sith. It's a Sith orgy. Okay, Mm -hmm. so... I just wanted to talk about that for a second. Just cuz I, <laughs> I just cuz I wanted to say sith orgy. Um, how You know about yes. you, you're familiar with Dune right, Jimmy? Dune? Yeah, yeah. I've heard of it. But I mean no, well, I could I'd never sa- I could never read the thousand novels that make up the story. Sure. I could never sit through the thousand part miniseries that they did and I never right. saw a frame <laughs> of the uh, of the uh, Dune movie. Was that David Lynch? who did that. Yeah. I, mm. I, I've heard nothing but terrible things about that movie. Is that right? I mean, should I be avoiding Dune
1: the way I do? If, if you if you're not, if you're not um, a David Lynch fan, then I wouldn't recommend it. And I'm not a David Lynch fan. If, even if you are a David Lynch fan, I'd kind of maybe, you know, <laughs> I don't know. It's got its own. It's the same thing. It's quirky, but, but the books are astonishing and they are a massive influence on Star Wars. And this is, this is a gigantic nod to uh something in dune I would say yeah. in that there's, there's there's a there's a sisterhood of kind of they call them the Benny jesuit and they're kind of psychic witches and they uh they've been trying to kind of basically engineer a messiah for uh for for centuries and to cut a long story short, basically part of the story involves um a a pregnant uh character taking this drug that basically gives them access to to history and um accidentally basically impacts on the baby so before the baby's even born it has the memories of all its pre predecessors so its entire family oh, yeah. going back generation after generation after generation so when the child's born the baby's born it has the awareness of a of a an old person who's lived you know thousands of lives and and is able to speak so obviously it scares the living daylights out of everybody um, but a lot of this stuff with the kind of, you know, the, all the Jedi are in you and all the Sith are in you and stuff like that. That's very much a Dune thing, you know, and it, it becomes very important as time goes on, because the, it ends up with um, like some of the previous personalities and pe- you know previous characters almost live like voices in their heads. And um, over time, they can become louder than the voice of the current occupier of the body to the point where they have the potential to supplant them. So it's almost like you can imagine Rey if if Palpatine's already dead you know that if she had a memory of of Palpatine that he could literally just kind of through sheer force of personality like take over her body. So it's got that kind of a vibe mm. to it to me. It's got a real strong dune vibes right. at the end. Of it. Well, and that has a lot to do with the Sith tradition of, uh, yeah. you know, the rule I of two. I that because it's a big deal in the Dane books. Awesome.
0: Know, so. uh, real quick, how Kylo got back to Hexagol. I heard a lot of people talking about that. He stole a uh, TIE fighter from the wreckage of the Death Star. And um, he was able to, uh, they, okay. so they, they say, well, okay, that's great. That makes sense, right? You do um, see
1: a like a tardierum style shuttle in there. I know that's there's one of those in there somewhere. You see it in the movie.
0: Oh, really? I, I didn't know yeah, yeah. that. <laughs> really early great. on, it's
1: like like as as Ray's making her way in and she's climbing all over well, over all the detritus yeah. and then. You just see like a tidyum in the background, which immediately made made me kind of go, "Oh, is that how the Emperor got there? You know, like did he did he escape uh, in a shuttle or something?" and you know, no, so no, I no, for a minute.
0: We're, we're getting there, Paul. We're we're, we're literally yeah. we're literally a couple of minutes away from that. So, um, so uh, but people are like, well, okay, that's great. He stole a Tie Fighter. That makes sense. But he got to Exegol without the Wayfinder. How could that possibly be? Well, the Navi computer on board uh, the Tie Fighter, which is weird that the Tie Fighter would have a. Well, I guess they all have a Navi computer. They just don't have hyper space mm-hmm. capabilities.
1: Uh, but maybe he found one that did. That's who cares about that stuff. But how yeah, did he make he it connection to Ray? So you would think they'd be able to figure it out eventually. I mean, if he can what, put, how we pull, got you can, how we got to Exegol,
0: how we got to Exegol, it's very easy. Ray mm. transmitted tracking markers as she was heading towards Exegol. And those tracking mm. markers were relayed to the resistance. And you can see this part in the film. Mm-hmm. When, uh, you mm-hmm. know, Finn's like, Red 5's in the air, and they mm-hmm. are, uh, you know, they look, look, she's 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 carving a path, a trail for us to Exegol. That's, mm-hmm. Kylo was able to pick up on those transmissions. Or he's been, Boy, now whatever. he's been. Uh, mm-hmm. Knights of Ren, never really loyal to Kylo, but they've always been loyal to Palpatine. Again, more part of the manipulation. Um, mm-hmm. Just glossed over in the book.
1: Uh, oh, interesting. Yeah. What? You know what people say about the, you know, kind of feeling like, I know people, a lot of people feel a bit shortchanged about the Knights of Ren, you know, like there could have been more. But but by the time I got to this point in the story, you know, I was kind of going, I'm enjoying this. and My only reservations really all, all kind of stem from episode eight. But but like by this point in the story, I was like, if JJ had directed eight, I have a feeling that this this film would have just, the whole thing would have held together so much stronger and I would have found it much easier to nudge it up my list of, Favorite Star Wars films. I right. think if, if it had been consistent, you know. Yeah, right, right. It's a hard kind of mess. Sort of like, right, right. Yeah, um, and that carrying it forward and overlapping, and yeah, you know, yeah. if, if some of nine had ended up in eight, you know, I think it it would have played so well. I mean, like like I say, the first time of experiencing it, I kind of felt like it was it was really great, and it, it took took a little time to kind of think about it and kind of go, things don't make sense. But but like this book is definitely helping, and you do kind of feel like these little moments would have made it into eight or something like them. You know.
0: Yeah. Now, just yeah. keep in mind, the more you talk about your hang-ups with uh, The Last Jedi, the, the longer it's going to mm. take me to get to uh, all, the, all the questions Go. you want answered. So, <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, uh, oh, one more thing before I get into uh, the big stuff about uh, how Palpatine cheated death and the origin mm. of Ray and Ray's father and all of that stuff. Before I get into that, there's one thing I do have to point out. Have you ever mm. wondered what the Emperor smelled like?
1: Completely <laughs> okay. Well, we I get see, it in. I we, see. I mean, it,
0: it, it, a very valuable passage in this book. You, you uh learned that as Ray stepped closer to Palpatine, she realized her grandfather smelled like rotting meat. Like rotting nice meat. All right, are you ready to hear mm-hmm. how Palpatine cheated death? Mm hmm. I'm not going to summarize it. Magic and science. I am not going. Well, yes, I am not Mm -hmm. going to summarize it. I am going to read the passage. Um, She. uh, Ray realizes this as she approaches Palpatine. She gets overwhelmed by the power emanating off of him. And um, he's taunting her to strike him. And at that moment, the Force is really rocking off of Palpatine, hardcore. And Ray is able to find a connection with him. She's like, maybe it's because of the fact that she's, that's his, her grandfather, and they share the same blood. But it was revealed to her at that moment how Palpatine cheated death. And here is that passage. Falling, 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 down a massive shaft, the betrayal sharp and stinging, a figure high above, black-clad and helmeted and shrinking fast. His very own apprentice had turned against him, the way he himself had turned against Plagueis, whose secret to immortality he had stolen. Plagueis had not acted fast enough in his own moment of death, but Sidious sensing the flickering light in his apprentice, had been ready for years. So the falling, dying emperor called on all the dark power of the force to thrust his consciousness far, far away to a secret place he had been prepping. His body was dead, an empty vessel long before it found the bottom of the shaft, and his mind jolted to a new awareness in a new body, a painful one, a temporary one. But it was all done too soon. The secret place had not completed its preparations. The transfer was imperfect and the cloned body wasn't enough. Perhaps Plagueis was having the last laugh after all. Maybe his secret remains secret because Palpatine was trapped in a broken, dying form. The heretics of the Sith Eternal toiled, splicing genes, bolstering tissue, creating unnatural abominations in the hope that one of these strand casts would succeed and become a worthy receptacle. The heretics would do anything, risk anything, sacrifice anything to create a cradle for their God consciousness. Nothing worked, but their efforts were not entirely in vain. One genetic strand cast lived, thrived even, a not-quite-identical clone, his, quote, son. But he was a useless, powerless failure. Palpatine could not even bear to look upon such a disappointing ordinariness. The boy's only worth would lay in continuing the bloodline through more natural methods. And it was through that eventual union, unexpected as it was, that Ray was born. The perfect vessel, strong enough to contain all the power of the Sith. His granddaughter. So, he transferred his consciousness through the dark side of the Force as he was flying down that shaft. Remember when he hit the bottom, all that blue mist and everything came up. That could have very Mm -hmm. well been uh, either a reaction to his physical body hitting whatever was at the end of the the bottom of that bottomless shaft. It could have been a reactor of some sort. That's what I always assumed it was, was that his body was landing in some sort of reactor and it caused that reaction. But that very well could have been his dark side presence shooting up out of the shaft and uh, then traveling across space to Exegol where he had his backup plan in motion but not yet ready for his arrival. So he struggled in uh, this uh, new life of his, where his essence is in these crappy clones. And um, they, because the clone body was imperfect and couldn't contain his evilness. Now, this son of his is an actual clone. You know, a lot of people were like, well, I can't imagine Palpatine bumping nasties and you know yeah well that never happened he never had a romance right it was a clone of his so that makes sense much like boba fett was the clone son of jango palpatine's son was also a clone with no name i wish he had a name when did the when did the clone get created do we know is it like it was they were preparing during the battle of endor for sure because i mean they but, were but...
1: But well, they weren't ready, and then they started to. They they the kid thing happened. How? What was the gap? Okay, all right. Between well, listen, the, the so end of
0: they trans. They 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 just had crappy clones, is what it was. And so these clones. His kid to, wasn't one of them, right? His kid, his kid, kid wasn't was one of them. They no, made, his
1: clone absolutely was one of his. They said so. That, it was an attempt to make Palpatine became. Okay. Yes, the attempt to
0: create a. Clone body for Palpatine to inhabit.
1: I'll tell you where I'm coming from, Jimmy. I'm trying to do the mass in my head, kind of going, okay. So if it was a if it was a young client, you know, I was imagining him having a kid. It was a kid, you know. Yes. And, and, but it if he, it was a kid, yeah. then it's like 20 years after Return of the Jedi, he's got to, you know, be raised dad because she's about 20, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, and it's been oh. about 40 years since, since Return of the Jedi or something, right? I thought right? it was 30 years. I thought it was a 30-year Something difference. like, well, I think Luke's so about 70, happened, isn't he?
0: But also um, keep in mind that clones can have that advanced aging, the yeah. accelerated yeah, aging. Yeah, yeah, Good point, yeah. So, you know, we can't really, uh, mm. we, we can't use a normal Ray's calendar. age
1: accelerate and all like that? Yeah, pose a lot of questions. Cool.
0: Yeah. I, but I don't think Ray did mm. because she was the result of of a natural union, natural childbirth and all of that. So she wasn't genetically engineered at all, which I'm Mm. happy about too. I didn't want Ray to be a clone. Uh, But that's, that's the big, that's the big stuff. So after I read that passage, Mm -hmm. I, you know, I, I by myself, I exclaimed, wow, (laughs) there it all is. It's all there. Speculation time is over. And now we have, that, that means that Ray's dad looked just like Palpatine. Young Palpatine. Ray, right? Ray, Ray turned out great, didn't she, really? <laughs> well, obviously she took after her mother.
1: So. Right. <laughs> obviously. Somebody else was saying about, like, how come the clone of Palpatine looks just like he did when he was fried in Revenge of the Sith? Surely he should look more like Palpatine before he turned to the dark side. Yeah. And like but then I was like, nah, because he's still, you know, he's all dark now, and his soul is going to inhabit the clone. So even if it was fine when he was put in there, it's going to look pretty crusty, you right. know, if if it can't hold the host. Right. I, it, it, I'm it okay is with a clone. all that as well, because I, I know George wasn't keen on the whole idea of the, the Sith being able to have, like, blue ghosties. Right. So the idea that his spirit goes on at all, I'm sure is, I'm not sure if George would be cool with that. But I think, you know, as far as stories go, I think it's kind of what, you know, it's an interesting choice, and I'm all for it. So I, th- I think it's this is definitely preferable to... He survived the explosion, Yeah, which I, right. I was like, "Wait, what?" Wasn't it particles at the end of the movie? Well, see, I you didn't know.
0: think that he necessarily survived the explosion in any way, shape, or form. No. But I thought his I there he is, you know. So I thought his yeah. body was retrieved from the Death Star mm-hmm. wreckage, and then his spirit was able to repossess that body. Uh, yeah, I didn't. Yeah, yeah. I didn't. You know. Um, and I also obviously considered the. Um, the possibility of him being a clone
1: uh mm. okay and then the thing that- i was thinking about legends you know the the eu legends like the thing always was you can't clone somebody with force powers or you certainly can't clone the midichlorians across you know Ooh,
0: that's
1: right yeah so so and I, that for me that's always seemed like yeah that that keeps the the you know keeps things in check you it sure know does, you, yeah. as soon as you can do that that's a problem so for me it makes perfect sense that is is the host wouldn't like take his body's soul and it would be a problem and Good, good. You know, that doesn't clash with anything we've already learned, even though it's not canon, you know.
0: Perfect. Um, mm. And then at the very end, of course, the big um, kiss between uh, Ray and Ben. And um, I'll just describe it to you. I'll read the passage. mm uh, <laughs> His heart was full as Ray reached for his face, let her fingers linger against his cheek, and then, wonder of wonders, she leaned forward and kissed him. A kiss of gratitude, acknowledgement of their connection, a celebration that they found each other at last. Nowhere in that passage does the word love or compassion appear. And, mm. uh, you know, so uh, the novel does confirm that the sequel trilogy is absolutely without any romance whatsoever. Signed, sealed, <laughs> and delivered Raylo's, riot in the street. I stand mm. with you. Mm -hmm. I stand with the Raylos. I stand with them. That should have been a moment of love and compassion, not a kiss of gratitude and acknowledgement of their connection. That is the worst passage in this entire book. It sucks. And it's an attempt by Lucasfilm to to make sure there's no (laughs) romance anymore. They don't want traditional (laughs) romance. And that's stupid. So... I stand with the Raylos on that. You can call me Raylo Jim. <laughs> um, so the rest of the book kind of wraps up exactly the way the film does. And uh-huh. uh, so that's it. All in all, uh, three
1: typos. One mention of Sheev, which mm-hmm. I hate that they call him Sheev. One big question, mate, before you wrap up. Like, wh- anything more about Luke? Any new stuff about Luke? No. No. no uh, let me, well, you know, right. let me
0: go to that sequence where he sits with her and talks to her because mm-hmm. there is a little bit of stuff he he believes uh, Luke believes that Leia cannot be corrupted by the dark side at all. He thinks mm-hmm. she's that that is completely impossible. She never would be able to get corrupted by the dark side.
1: Um, That's kind of nice.
0: Which I, I find interesting. And and so a, as a result he considers her to be uh, the strongest. Um, of the Skywalkers because she, mm-hmm. because he got tempted by the dark side, uh, Vader obviously, uh, fell to the dark side and, uh, Leia mm-hmm. was always able to, to stand firm. Um, and, and he'd strongly believe that she couldn't be corrupted. Now I'm trying to find the uh, sequence here, uh, where Luke appears to Ray on octu and I'm having trouble finding it. So you can tell I am just talking to Eat Up Time <laughs> until I actually come across that segment. But, I mean, that's that's mainly what I take out of it. Um, when does she? Okay, she goes after that. She goes to Akto. And then Kylo, he's having hang-ups. Babu Frick. And then they put the pictures in the book. And they don't even put it, like, right in the middle of the book. They put it, like, in the last third of the book. But I love when these novels and these photos look fantastic. Oh, my God.
1: They're really pop- – Oh, there are photos in yeah, the book. Oh, yeah, that's yeah, too cool. Yeah, they're really I love off it when I love it when they do that. It just reminds me of the old one.
0: Yeah, nice, glossy, uh, very colorful. Yeah. They really pop off the page. Awesome, awesome.
1: Do they have the bright yellow banner on the front cover as well saying, come to a theater near you soon? No, it
0: doesn't. It doesn't. I mean,
1: because it, it,
0: it has it's, – it's it's hardly in the theaters <laughs> anyway. I mean, it's not like, uh, you know <laughs> – <laughs> well, you know, I'm having a hard time finding this. Oh, wait, here it is. Leia was stronger hmm. than all of us. That's what uh, Luke says. Uh, let's see if there's anything I can find in here. Um, it's 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 primarily very similar to uh, the way it all goes down in the film uh, with hmm. Luke and her. Um, uh, yeah, that's really the thing about Leia there. Is uh, the, the real thing. And, you know, he says uh, confronting fear is the destiny of a Jedi. Your destiny, if you don't face Palpatine, it'll mean the end of the Jedi and the war will be lost. Mm-hmm. Like you had to confront, confront Vader, she said. And, uh, you know, you might, you know, she, she read that in his journals, too, which she also stole from Octo. 'Cause she can't get enough of Luke's things, you know. She has his droid, she has <laughs> she has his X Wing, she moves into his old house on uh the Lars Holmes. Do you think <laughs> is that where you think she eventually, you know, she cleaned that place up and settled down? I think it is. And I'll tell you why Boy, I think gentlemen's. it is.
1: What's that? With the turtle nuns are on, oh, on I No, no, no,
0: no, no. I'm talking about um when she goes to Tatooine at the end of the film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You think when the she,
1: old lady says Can "Yeah," you? she goes, Ray Palpatine. Yes, yeah, she's absolute lightning. Or oh, was that just my version?
0: <laughs> and then she fries that woman in the, yeah. in the weird fool them all. <laughs> 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 I would have been movie.
1: Able. Imagine all the fans who just feel like what the What
0: the hell, man?
1: One. <laughs> and it sounds like A. McDermott.
0: So, um, you know, certainly a a, a long episode of Rebel Force Radio. Uh, I I don't think uh, (laughs) anyone really minds. Um, And uh, we have more Rebel Force Radio Uh. coming at you guys uh, later this week with our Rise of Skywalker commentary track. Of course, we'll be coming at you from Wizard World Cleveland on March 7th, this very weekend. And everyone will be able to hear all of our everything we do in Cleveland will be releasing that as podcasts uh, from our panel to uh, anything else we might be recording and uh, we 'll be back a week from Friday on Friday the thirteenth for the return of Clone Wars to classified it 'll be live on youtube and facebook we 'll be talking about the uh, bad batch arc. And, um, with some special guests and taking your calls live. So lots of stuff going on for RFR for the rest of the month of March. Um, we also have the blu-ray coming out. We'll be reviewing that and all the special features on that on a regular episode of the weekly RFR. So Paul, thank you so much for joining me as I, uh, I I mean, literally ran, ran ran right to the microphone as soon as I finished the last Mm -hmm.
1: page of this book. We ran all the way through the show, didn't we? It's like run, 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 run.
0: Yeah, just run off and running. Mm -hmm. We're we're, we're as fast paced as uh, The Rise of Skywalker itself. And uh, you probably don't know what what hits you. So you're going to have to listen to the show three or four times to really get the full gist (laughs) of it. And then look for the novelization of this show coming in about two months. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So uh with, with a foreword from Jason Swank. Um so uh any final thoughts on the uh the reveals that I've presented from the Rise of Skywalker novel? Obviously that's not everything, but that's really the major stuff that happens in the the novel that uh expands on the story we saw in the film.
1: Well, I, I think that, you know, watching the the movie Repeated Times, you find yourself well I certainly find myself drifting out from the audio and what I'm listening to and the story itself and I get more and more kind of drawn into the visuals of the thing and I think the the rise of Skywalker for me is is really successful in lots of ways in terms of I think there's some of the best acting installs in this movie and there's some incredible visual effects I mean just just groundbreaking visual effects and a lot of it is just thrown in there like it's nothing some of the, some of the kind of like ocean uh cg ocean stuff and what have you it's just incredible you know and all, all that kind of stuff is just part of the course and that's that's great because it's always been the case with stars but for me the only little things that let it down were just like little small moments where you kind of go it would be nice if that made more sense if that helped you know i'd like to understand this and that and it sounds to me like this novel has done a great job of giving us good solid chunky kind of reasons to accept things that don't feel to me anyway, it doesn't it doesn't sound like it plays as an excuse. It sounds like this was what was meant to be in there, you know? So I think that's that's great if this novel's been successful and you've obviously really enjoyed it, Jimmy. So Oh,
0: I loved it. Great. I read it so fast. It's only two hundred and forty seven pages. So oh, it's a great. nice quick lean. yeah, lean, quick, easy oh, read. Yeah. And um, it's something about the writing style uh, that Ray Carson presents in this mm. book makes oh, it, just, it just flows. It just flows. Has she written other stuff before? She's doing other stuff. She wrote stuff? A, a short story in the Canto Bite anthology and she wrote right. a, a, a short story in um, A Certain Point of View, a book that I have yeah. a certain point of view of. I think it sucks. But, <laughs> yeah, I it's a right, I yeah. it's, it, has, it has some good moments in it and some of mm. the worst
1: moments I've ever seen from mm. Star Wars on the printed page. So what's the general, I mean, I'm sorry to take off a tangent just slightly, but, but like, what's been the general vibe from people about, um, the EU post, post, uh, buyout and before, cause for me, I don't feel like I've really connected to any book quite like I have oh, dozens and dozens of books from, you know, the legends era. And I, I don't know if that's been the, no. You know, if the people feel like as passionately about the oh, new God, books no. as they do, not, not, the no, no, not by a mile, no? not by a mile. You that weird. was my assumption, but no, I didn't no. know. You know, I don't know no. for facts. So I'm trying That's... not to just.
0: I think, I think, uh, long-time uh, Star Wars fans who've uh, been reading. The uh, novels mm. in uh, other uh, spin off things over the years. Uh, I think mm. they have much more passion for characters like
1: Marriage Aid. What this does make me think of is I hope they do one about, um, was it Pride, Richard E. Grant's? Yes. Because I love Richard E. Grant anyway. I'll tell you about it, And he was one of the highlights in the movie for me. Yeah. So so now that we know that he's been around for a long time, it's like, okay, tell, tell us more about Pride. Yeah. You know? yeah.
0: Right, right. Yeah, he's mm. been around. He has, as uh, an agent of Palpatine. Thanks again, Ray Carson, for uh, writing a great book. And uh, thank you all for listening this week to Rebel Force Radio. The the, the first of two episodes you'll be getting this week. Uh, Be sure to join us on Friday. And uh, this is usually when we do all the plugs, but I've been talking for too long, so I don't feel like doing (laughs) them. So uh, listen to uh, listen to last week's episode of Rebel Force Radio if you are completely confused and don't know how to write us an email or drop a voicemail. <laughs> if, if you need any of that information, visit rebelforceradio.com. It's all there. Just click on the Contact tab, and you'll know how to get a hold of us and where to find our social media and all that other stuff. It's all right there, rebelforceradio.com. Uh, looking forward to... Uh, Hook it up with Swank this weekend and other Rebel Force Radio listeners from the Ohio area and beyond. So uh, please come out and see us 2 p.m. Rebel Force Radio Live coming to Wizard World Cleveland. Cannot wait. We'll probably talk a little bit more about this novelization during that conversation, too. So on behalf of Jason Swank for Rebel Force Radio and Paul Bateman. Paul Bateman.
1: i as usual.
0: Oh, I didn't throw it at you. I, I, I decided just to kind of do it Wingy. for you. <laughs> Hold your hand through it. But uh, this is uh, Jimmy Mack. Thank you so much for listening. We love you all. And remember... The Force will be with you. Always.
1: The force will be with you. Always. Always.